Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Thank you. Lord bless you as you can be seated. It's awesome. just wonderful to be back in the house. And it's one of the rare privileges that Father allows me is to be not only go and minister places, but to have families in places. And certain churches you go to, it's just like one room of the house to the other. It's, it's family. I look at these two wonderfully smiling people down the front here. I, I mean, to get a bear hug from my brother is like you stay hugged for the rest of your life. Yeah, you just, you just. I want to thank Pastor Martin and Rosalind for the joy of this journey. And thank you for allowing me to be part of that. It's wonderful. And this house that has touched nations upon nations and missionaries and planted people all over the globe. And some you may know about and some you may never know about. But like you, you sow into our lives so much. Pastor Martin's on my board. You're a monthly supporter. In so many ways, this house... uh, pours life into Margaret and I. And what you may not know is that that life then flows through us because there are missionaries and itinerants and ministers all over the globe that Margaret and I support because you do. And you need, I need saying that because so often I don't mention that, but but your heart and your generosity and your goodness, I'm not just talking financial, I'm talking about who you are and Martin and Rosalind and their team has just impacted so many people around the globe. And, it's, and I, I don't think we'll ever know the true wealth of that until one day we stand there and have a look at it. So you're all part of that. It's not just one or two people, but you're all so much part of that. Um, I want to, all the way, aren't you glad certain people are alive and well? I, I love your team. Oh, sorry, you can go. Yeah. Um, and I watched Sheldon uh, song leading this morning and not only is he very formidable um, to the visual eye but to the spiritual eye you know and then, then I watched Amy get up here and man she you were on fire this morning girl and I, and I, I thought that these two obviously they're married, they're sitting on two ends of the same road, but they are married. Um, and, and I thought to myself, Father, I'm so glad they're on our side. <laughs> I'd hate them to be on the other side, wouldn't you? Um, so it's a joy to be back, and I'd better settle down and get into it. Father, we thank you for the joy, the privilege, the honor. We thank you, Father, for the sheer delight that it is to be your sons, your daughters, Father, to know you and to be known by you, to be loved and accepted by you. And Father, I pray above anything else this morning that as each person leaves this building, they will know that. They will know how unconditionally you accept them, how indescribably you love them, and that you have given them a standing invitation to be where you are to fellowship with you, to walk with you, to talk with you, commune with you. Father, not just in 
spiritual things, but throughout life, because you are there, Father. So I want to thank you for that. And I pray the reality of that settle upon each person in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start this morning with a story that one or two of you know, and those of you in the first service will have heard. But it is a story that so vividly communicates what I really want to share. So in the year 2004, I was in Africa. Forgive me for those who have heard it before. But I was in Africa, and a town called Arusha on the East Coast. And 4.30 in the morning, I'm wide awake, sitting up in bed and thinking, what, Lord, what, what, what? And he said, if you'll build a prophetic team to change nations, I'll give you a place to do it in. And, and I didn't know what it meant, but I have learned over the years that you don't have to understand everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just better to say, yes, Lord, <laughs> and figure it all out later. And so I just said, yes, Lord. And, and so in my mind's eye, now it wasn't a video screen, and it wasn't suddenly the wall lit up, and nothing like that at all, but in my spirit-controlled imagination, I suddenly saw something in my mind's eye. I saw a vivid picture in my mind's eye of lawns and trees and buildings, and Margaret and I walking on this beautiful property. I said, oh, Lord, wow, that's that's awesome. So, so I, I came back home and I told Margaret and we went out to find it and couldn't find it. So we persevered. One month, two months, three months, four months, five months. Eighteen months later, we're still looking. But why? Why, why persevere? Because of what I'd seen. Because of what I'd seen, I had seen it. And then a telephone call, a real estate agent on the phone, and she says, um, you know that place you keep describing to us? I said, yeah. I think I found it. I said, oh, great. And she says, not really. She said, we just sold it to somebody else. And secondly, it's completely outside of your finance bracket. And I said, well, actually... Both those points are utterly irrelevant. <laughs> Show me the property. We drove down the driveway and came, and there it was. There it was. The lawns, the trees, the buildings. It was what I had seen. I've got a point to all of this. So I turned to her and I said, brilliant. We'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> and she said, did you not listen? Uh, we've sold it to somebody else. And it's completely outside of your finance bracket. I said, what did I say? It's irrelevant. <laughs> Ring me when it comes available, and here's exactly what I'll pay for it. And she says, well, you're, you're, you're nuts. Oh, I'd, never su- I'd never submit an, an offer like that. I said, you have to. I just made it. And so... Um, <laughs> Uh, that was the end of the conversation. She went away thinking she'd met an Irish nut. And I am Irish, but not the nut. But, and, and, and she went away. Three weeks later, the phone goes. Um, you know that property? Yes. Uh, the, the sale fell through. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> and she said, but what you don't know is 
that 18 months ago, the exact time Father showed it to me in Arusha, they woke up one morning and had this compulsion. They had to live within walking distance of a cup of coffee. I said, what? <laughs> they create Shangri-La and they want a bibakaya to coffee? And she said, well, it was like that. And so they just walked out of the place and bought another place thinking this would sell the next day. And she says, then we have sold this property again and again and again. And every time at the last minute, it falls through. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> and, she, and she said, do you know what? After 18 months of this, they are so discouraged that they've accepted your offer. <laughs> now, the, and we've been living in it for 12 months. But my friends, why? Why? Because of what I saw. Now, what I'm going to share with you this morning is not something that, you know, oh, well, this, the preacher. It's, it's not so you can say, isn't it wonderful that certain people have these kind of gifts? You have missed the point. It's because Father intends it for every single one of you. It's because it's not, a, it's not a gift, it's not a grace, as in your calling to be an evangelist or a teacher. It's actually part of your Christian life. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in which He, because you come to a point in your life where you surrender entirely to Him, He then has authority and dominion in you, and He's able to show you things that Father already wants you to be doing. And I'm suggesting to you, not suggesting at all, 51 years of proving it. That's not my age. That's how many years I've been preaching. Okay. <laughs> Someone got it. Okay. I'm 71 in a couple of weeks. But I'm telling you now, for 51 years I've served the Lord, and in 51 years I've been putting this into practice long before I ever knew I was called to be a prophet or anything else. And if you read this book, I'm not just plumbing in the book, it's for the sake of it, but, but you did what? It's, it's chock-a-block full of miracles. But why? Because of what I saw. And I began to realize that this is how Jesus operated. This is going to come out somewhat different um, to the first service. I can see that. That's okay. The people on the... PowerPoints just stay alive, okay? Um, but Jesus said to Peter, when he got a revelation about him being the Christ, he said, flesh and blood could never have revealed this to you. That must have been my father. Why? Because only the Holy Spirit could have told you that. You know, that certain things are just not known to man. That, but, and when the aha moment happens, you know the Holy Spirit's been in charge. Now, a well-known scripture that we're all very familiar with is Matthew 6.10, where it says, uh, Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth, in this earth, as it is in heaven. But what does that actually mean? I actually looked up the Greek, every single little word, and then paraphrased, put it together again, and here's how it actually, this is the intent of this, that verse in the Greek. 
reveal your indisputable authority to rule on this planet by your will being carried out on the earth in the same manner in which we see it done in heaven. And the word heaven there is the word for eternity or the spirit world of your presence. And so if what he's saying is, if your will is carried out here in the realm, world of the tangible, exactly like it's being carried out in the world of the spirit, then your kingdom has come. Why? Because your authority to rule over has just been demonstrated. And my friend, the authority that you carry is the fruit of what you see. Let me, let me just accept that for a second, because if you don't see it, you don't have the confidence to pursue it. But once you've seen it, man, nothing can put you off that. I woke up in the hospital one day and listening to them discuss how it was possible that I could still be alive and walking. They've written me off like parrots for years, and, and, and I, I'm planning the next 30 years. And you say, well, you're a bit of a cocky so-and-so. Well, no, it's because of what I've seen. I woke up one time in the hospital, and they're all discussing how bad I am, and I I'm, I'm, uh, have this smile on my face, and they're getting irritated and saying, don't you understand how serious this really is? And I'm saying, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I know it's hard on you, but me, I, I'm, I'm just, look at it. I'm lying in a bed, not having to preach. I don't have to travel. Everybody's waiting on me, and I've got all this separated time just to spend with my father and me talking it up about tomorrow. I'm having a ball. I, I realize it's difficult on all of you, but you see, was that just being stupid? No, it's because of what I've seen. It's because of what I've seen. I've seen stuff that Father will be having me do over the next few years, and that's, you see, it's not because I'm trying to see it or be super spiritual. I'll guarantee my Father has turned up to every single one of you at some stage and many times and, and wanted to show you something, but because you didn't think that you had that capacity, you weren't listening. But once you realize that the Holy Spirit has given you that capacity, suddenly you take the time to listen, just time to look, to lean into it. In John 4, 24, it says, God is spirit. God, it's just a blunt statement. God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But what does it mean? The word pneuma means, now get this, it's very important. God is spirit. The word pneuma means a breath of air literally translated. In other words, he's not tangible. He's not physical. God is spirit. So, and his power and his presence and his person fills the galaxies. Later on, we might mention how John saw his throne. Well, I can tell you one thing right now. You can travel to Pluto or Saturn and you're never going to find his throne. I don't care how hard you look. It's like that ridiculous a uh, astronaut there once many years ago. I don't know if it was a Russian guy who it was, but he was up there and he says, oh, when he was up in the Sputnik or whatever it was, he says, I leaned out the window and I didn't see God up there. Are you kidding? <laughs> he was a speck of dust in God's 
presence fills the galaxies. But the incredible thing about him is that he's also very personal and intimate and real. And, and, and oh, I walk with him every day, I know. What a tragedy is that a world thinks that God is out there but doesn't realize that he's right here, that, that, that his presence is here, and that there's a, a, a spirit world coexistent with our world that's so incredibly real. He's here now, if you had eyes to see. Chasing God's presence, we think we have to go somewhere. No. And you have to realize where you are. Oh, this is all out of keeping with my nose. But let me tell you something, my friends. I love it when God invades our space. I love that. But I don't have to wait for it. Because I invade His. You see, my Bible tells for me to come boldly before His throne. That I'm to be seated with Him in heavenly places. So, so, really, a lot of people have this desert. Now, don't get me wrong. Do I love it in a Sunday morning or a prayer meeting or whatever, and we suddenly, no father just whooshed into the place, and we sense his incredible presence? Oh, who doesn't love that? But you don't have to wait for it. You, you can have, you see, his presence is coexistent with you every 24-7, every single day of your life. But you have to have eyes to see it. Yeah. Flesh and blood cannot reveal this thing to you. Jesus said, only the Holy Spirit. Now, John chapter 5. You see, if we understand that the miracles of Jesus was not because he was God. Get me. Was he God? Yes, from eternity to eternity. But for 33 and a half years, he chose to surrender that and become mortal humanity so that we could know he went through everything exactly as we do. And in his humanity, not his divinity, in his humanity, he did miracles. Not out of his divinity, People misquote the Bible. John chapter 5 makes it very clear that Jesus was in his humanity when he performed miracles. Well, how did he do it? John 5 tells us, verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, look at what it says. The Son can do nothing of himself. Why? Because he laid all that aside when he came to the planet. He could do nothing of himself. But what he sees his father do. For whatever the father does in where? In the spirit world, our father is a spirit. In the spirit world, the world of his reality, whatever his father does, the son also does in like manner. Well, where did he do it? In the world of the tangible, he was walking the shores of Galilee. He was going down a dusty road to Jerusalem. He wasn't in glory. He was tangible. And if you take a look at verse 20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him, allows him to see, the Greek says, all things that he himself does or is doing in the spirit realm of his reality 
And listen to this. And he, Father, will show him, Jesus, greater works than these that you may marvel. Let me put it in today's Kiwi language for you. Jesus walking along, having a ball of a time with his uh, disciples. Oh, you do understand, don't you? Yeah. Jesus never had a religious moment in his life. <laughs> okay? He was having a ball. He was talking with that stuff with his disciples. He say, how do you know that? Well, because I do it all the time. I walk with my father up the back with the kangaroos. It's just, you know, it's, I send prophetic words around the globe to all sorts of leaders, and I know, I know, I know, I know that they get this picture of me. You know, how does he get these prophetic words? All wealth. He's down on his knees. He's in his office. Oh, God, 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 God. Oh, give me a word. It's just not true. Most of the time, I'm walking up the back amongst the gum trees with the kangaroos, and I get some incredible encounters with them. And, uh, and I'm having, I got it on phone, you wouldn't believe them. <laughs> Big boys, this, we're eyeballing each other. This, oh, it's a buzz. And, and, and I'm, just, I'm just pointing it out. I'm just saying, Father, you've made a beauty with him. Ooh, he was a good one. Yeah, and, and we're just talking out stuff. Why? Because he actually is my father. When I'm walking up those trails, I know he's God Almighty, I keep that in mind. But, but the fact of the matter is, when I'm walking there, he's just my dad. He's my father, I'm his son, we're hanging out, and it's cool. Yeah. Do you know what? That's the way he meant it to be. Yeah. I, I tried for decades to be good. I really did. <laughs> Blumenier killed me. We weren't created to try. We were created to be. I'm his son, for goodness sakes. I wake up in the morning, I don't have to try and be spiritual or a good Christian. I wake up in the morning, I'm his son. Why? Because I am one. And when that hits in here and you wake up and you suddenly believe it, you don't, you, the reason why you're not out there smoking marijuana or beating your uh, next door neighbor over the head with a crack bat, it's not because it's not the done thing for a Christian member of Harvestite. It's because you don't have those desires anymore. You're his son. You're born of his seed. You're his daughter. And I've got right off the subject. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> but you see, John 5 makes it incredibly clear that, that Jesus, because he was possessed by the Holy Spirit, just like you, and because he was listening to the Holy Spirit 24-7, just like you and I should, at any given moment, being in spirit... Father would just give him a glimpse of something. Well, what do you mean? So it was a pop-up screen? No, no, it wasn't like that. Just in his spirit-controlled imagination. Just in his mind's eye, he suddenly get an impression of Father healing a leper. And he looked, ah, <laughs> okay, and he healed the leper. Why? Because he's seen his father do it. If you believe John 5, you have to believe that. He could do nothing of himself but what he saw his father do. 
And that's why Matthew 16, 19, in the Amplified, suddenly comes alive. Because I've heard a lot of put <laughs> I've heard a lot of Pentecostal hootenanny rubbish <laughs> about the authority we have. We can do anything we like because you know we're you know. Come on, have you read the Bible? I, I, I mean, Jesus couldn't do many mighty works there unless he first saw it. So, so Matthew sixteen nineteen suddenly suddenly means something different. I will give you the keys, the authority and dominion of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful, on earth will have been, or the Greek says, will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven or already loosed in heaven. And so, so it's not a matter of uh, seeing how muscle bound you can get and stomping it up and, you know, listen to enough Hosanna story, whatever, and, and working yourself into a good old faith position and then making big declarations. It, that is so far from the truth. It's simply this. When I get a glimpse of what my father is doing, I know instantly I can make that a reality. Because my faith doesn't create anything. My faith only simply draws what he has already done from the realm of his reality into the realm of my reality. It takes all the sweat and striving out of it. Jesus didn't go around trying to be spiritual. He could have been in between uh, harassing a tax collector or feeding fish or something and, and, and suddenly gets an impression. Ah, so he does. Jesus did because he saw. And without being a little bit dramatic, it's full of miracles. Why? Because I only did what I saw. I only did what I saw. It's, 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 not, it's just a second. It's a blink. It's a, it's a moment. But it's available to every single one of you if you break momentum enough to lean into it. Wow. Holy Spirit speaking all the time. I remember as a 19-year-old, we were preaching in Fiji. And we came to this, and we had to go back to the village each night. But this particular occasion, we'd left a bit late, and it was pitch black and dark and everything. And it was a long way home. And good grief. Okay, but we knew that there was a shortcut. And it was over this um, valley where they had put this railway track eons of light ago. And it was an old disused one for the sugarcane or whatever it was. And it was all in bad state of repair. And some of the sleepers had fallen through and all that sort of stuff, you know? And I said, well, see, because I was only young and naive. I was saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, but I actually hadn't had enough church to, to realize what was right and wrong. <laughs> so I just did. And we're walking along one day, one night, 
pitch black, and all of a sudden I get this glimpse. Just, it just a, a look, it was a second glimpse of us guys walking across this railway track with sleepers gone and everything, and pitch black. So I said, guys, we don't have to go the long way around. Let's just walk across the thing. We can't see it. What does that matter? Come on, let's go. And they just followed over. We never put a single foot wrong. Do I suggest you do that? Not really, no. But, <laughs> my, but I'm telling you, I saw it. And because I was so young in the faith and uncomplicated and I wasn't smart enough to think it out, I just did whatever I saw. I just wonder how many miracles will break out if we just did what we see before we submit it to all that good logic and sound reason. You're laughing well? It's all your fault. If you weren't so warm and lovely, I wouldn't have this amount of freedom. You know, Ma Margaret knows when I get into a place where there's a little bit of love and warmth around the place, I, the Irish can come out and I can get a little silly, but I'm really, really doing well this morning. Okay, <laughs> two, two Kings chapter 6 is one of the coolest stories in the Bible because here we have the king of Syria and he is planning these raids against God's people and he's going to plunder them and stuff. But every time he gets there or every time his troops get there, the king of Israel is waiting for him and smacks him up bad, really bad. And, and so he's getting frustrated with that, and he's saying, somebody's listening in on us, jokers. Don't worry about the screen. Cut the screen. I'm paraphrasing. Okay. Um, and so he goes into the... the so he says, well, what we'll do is we'll go into the bedroom. The Bible actually says they went, they went into the bedroom. And, and there they had their war council. Why? Well, because it was the most secure place in the whole palace. Nobody could listen in. Well, the same thing happened. Finally, he is about as frustrated as a man can get, and he says, which one of you morons is telling the king of Israel what I'm letting you guys know in secret? And they're mortified, and they say, well, none of us, of course. And one guy speaks up, and he says, actually, it's none of that. It's, it's just this, that there's this guy in Israel, and he's so in tune with God that Every time you'd say or do anything in this room, he hears it way over there in Israel. And he just lets the king of Israel know. And that, that, isn't that the coolest thing you ever heard? I, 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 I'm so, I, that's before the CIA or the KGB or, or spy satellites or anything. They, we just had Holy Ghost revelation. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool? Just imagine if every businessman could know ahead of time. What about every parent? You know, what if you could see the heart of that young hood before he started taking, before he started taking out your daughter? You know. My friends, I'm not trying to paint some sort of Steven Spielberg silly movie. This is how we're supposed to live. This is how we really should live according to the word I read. And, and so what happens is the king of Syria sends his armies against uh, uh, Elisha, and he get up one morning, and his servant walks out the door and sees all these you know, Syrian troops and stuff, and he's 
terror struck and he said, oh, my father, what are we going to do now? In other words, we're cooked. We've had it. This is it. Our number's up. And, and Elisha just down there with a little bit of a smile on his face. And, oh, can you chill out? Really? There's vastly more with us than with them. Well, have you any idea how silly that must have sounded? One and one makes two. And I can see at least 3,000. It didn't make any logical sense whatsoever. I really feel for my heart specialist. I've got great compassion for him. For 22 years, he's had me. <laughs> you say, so what? Well, well, 22 years ago, they said all of my major arteries and most of my subsidiaries were multiply blocked. Take what short, what's left of your short, miserable little life and curl up in a corner and, and carpet. You know, and they said that 22 years ago, and they actually had all the printouts on the table as if words weren't enough to show us. Well, I don't look dead to you, do I? <laughs> I walked out of there, and I'm not trying to be flamboyant or do a number on you, but I will guarantee it's not dozens, but hundreds of times in the last 22 years, I've had people say to me, David, you should be a little more careful, or David, uh, don't you understand, or can you not be a little bit more reasonable? No. No, no, I can't. No, I can't. Because what I have seen doesn't equate to a pine box quite yet. It's not what you hear, it's what you can see. And this poor little servant of Elisha, Oh, I don't get this. And Elisha prays a prayer that I now pray for you. Father, open his eyes that he might see. He wasn't blind in a natural. But Elisha was saying, open his eyes so he can actually see what I see. Because I, I can see them, but he can't. You see, he needs the Holy Spirit to open his eyeballs. And what I love about that scripture that is yet to come, uh, it says, and as he saw, I love this, he saw the chariots and the warriors of heaven all around Elisha. Now what's so very cool about it is I looked it up and it's clear from the Hebrew when it says all around Elisha, it, they weren't attached to the city, they weren't guarding the city, the, the, their epicenter was Elisha. Wherever he went, they went. No wonder that man was so bold. No wonder he could do what he did. Why? Well, because he, he was surrounded by this ring of steel that nobody else could see, but he couldn't. Oh, do you mean he say he saw tangible flesh and blood? No, no, but, but being in spirit, he saw. Now, if you go to John, whew, John, um, John chapter 4, verse 1, and we'll bring it towards the eventual possibility of a probable close. <laughs> um, 
Revelation 4.1, John, the apostle of affection and love, because that's where it's all really at. If you serve him because he's God Almighty, you'll struggle all your life. But if you fall in love with him as your father, you just live to bring him, bring him pleasure then, you know. So, so John 4.1, after these things I looked, and that word looked in the Greek means to stare with an intense stare knowing that you are, have the capacity to see. So it's not a wishful hoping thing because he knew he had a capacity to see, he leaned in to see. And you have been given the capacity to see by the Holy Spirit. So, after these things I looked, and behold a door, the word thyra, a portal, an entrance, or an opening, standing open in heaven, the word uranos means air, sky, eternity. In other words, it's the place of Father's presence, the spirit world of his presence. And so literally what happened was, uh, John gets a nudge uh, that Father wants to tell him some stuff, so he, so he breaks momentum, and he leans in, and he looks with, in, with, with, with the anticipation of seeing something. And he does. And suddenly there's this opening. And if we go to Revelation 4, 2, uh, and it says, immediately uh, I was in spirit, not in the spirit. The word the is not in the Greek. Immediately I was in spirit. It was a state of being. I was in spirit. What does that mean? He suddenly kind of warped into something. No, there's some junk out there that suggests things like that. It's a load of nonsense. The fact of the matter is that I am here. I'm tangible. I'm here. But my Father has given me the capacity for the Holy Spirit to override and to gain dominion in my mind and in my imagination and he's able to show me things that he's doing, just like he showed Jesus, just like he showed Elisha. What a big deal. And immediately, he was in spirit, and he saw a throne. Question, does God have a throne made out of gold and silver? No. There's no tangible throne in heaven. It's a spirit world. But what God was doing was saying, I will manifest a portion of myself. I'll manifest something about me and about my presence to John at this moment that will immediately communicate to him what he needs to know. That I am omnipotent, I am all authority, all dominion, I'm the king, and I'm ruling and reigning. And immediately he got that message. And that's why God will speak to us at times with just an impression. The number of times that I've been given um, a, a picture of a guy in, in uh, solid hard work boots being handed a pair of runners. Uh, that's happened to me a dozen times over the years. Why? It always tells me that the person I'm looking at, God wants to suddenly bring acceleration on their lives. It, it, it ha, it ha, in other words, God shows us the picture, the impression in our heart and mind. Because, why? Because we're leaning into him to see. We have broken our momentum. We're, we're no longer trying to do it our way, you know. I did it my way, Frank Sinatra. That was about the most suicidal, dumb song ever written. 
Who would want to do life your way or my way? It's disaster. Do it his way. Live a life. A fully surrendered person is a fully empowered person. I've got to work toward that close. Let me tell you, I want to de-spookify all this. Because next Wednesday morning and the following Thursday afternoon, if this is not accessible to you, then all I've done is entertain you for a while. But it is. It is accessible. Most people don't anticipate it. Most people don't have the expectation. So when they get a little nudge from the Holy Spirit, they say, oh, I'm bettering the pastor. Or, um, I, 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 I wonder what that can mean. Someone's spiritual there. Why don't you just understand he's your father? Why don't you understand he's your father? And often it will be in ways that, you see, friends, that's all the prophetic really is. What is the prophetic? You know, I hear people talking on the prophetic and, you know, the ways you can prepare, and I'm sure it's all good, but quite frankly, I've been at it 50 years, and and it's just living in intimacy with my Father. It's just living a state where the Holy Spirit's in charge. You know, there's, a, there's some classics here and some growing in the prophetic, 13 sessions on the prophetic, and I do recommend all of those books and tapes and USBs to you, but let me bring it to simplicity for you. If you live in intimacy and communion with the Holy Spirit, in a fully surrendered state, he can talk to you any time he needs to. I, was walk, I told him this morning in the earlier service, um, I was walking across a, ca- a car park in Adelaide a lot of years ago now, okay, and someone said, I want you to meet a man by the name of Martin Steele. And, and I said, okay, cool. And, and, and so as we're walking across the car park, suddenly I get a glimpse of something. It doesn't mean a thing to me, nothing. But I knew that it was for this guy, Martin Steele, I was about to meet. So I walked in, and he must have thought I was a little bit strange because I didn't even say hello. I just shook him by the hand, and I said, before we talk, you're to go back to the place of your birth at the place of the well, and there take up the responsibility. And he he was born again in this house. Takapuna in the Maori, place of the well, or close to it. He hadn't even been given the invitation. But you see, Father sometimes likes to prep us up beforehand. (laughs) Prepare the way. But what did I see? All I I saw was a guy getting born, a a, a place, a a well, and somebody picking up responsibility. I hadn't a clue what any of that meant. I hadn't even met him before. You see, but it was everything to him. That's the point. That's the point. Father knows how to talk to you that which is most meaningful to you. And he will always do that. Why? Because he loves you. There's a young lady down here, right in front of me. I'm pointing at you. 
give you a little bit of a wave, just so I know I've got the right one. Yeah, yeah, right, right. right. Um, in the middle of the worship, Father just gave me a glimpse about you. And he just said you to enlarge your anticipation. Don't, don't limit who you believe you can be. I, I, I saw, and I'm not trying to be funny, I've seen it many times, but I actually saw you, as far as God's intention is concerned, I actually saw you like a spiritual Clark Kent going into this telephone booth and coming out Superman. It was like, you know, what, 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 who, where did, you know, and, and we talk a lot about people, you know, people shouldn't judge another one by the cover and all that sort of stuff, but it's just as true to say you shouldn't judge yourself by that. And, and Father wants you to take the, 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 the binders off what you anticipate and expect from him for your life. Because, you know, I get a little glimpse right then, right then. And I saw you going to this place and that place and this place with a cruise of oil just flowing out of it. And what does that mean? It means that you're going to be a dispenser of the Holy Spirit. See, that's his intention. Now you need to lean into that. You understand? To possess that. Is Jesse still in the house? Well, it'll go down on record. Jesse, you'll hear it on tape. Jesse, wherever you are. Jesse, there's a book that, that you've read that's meant your life. And I can see a page where the corner's been down because you thought there was more to it, but life proved very differently. Father's going to return you to that page because now the seasons have changed. Okay, that was just a picture. But you see, a lot of people get pictures. They just discount them. There are. Did you get it? You didn't get it. I don't know, my fault. Um, the, um, I saw you reading a book. And for some reason, you had turned down the corner. You know how if you want to mark a page, you turn down the corner? And you got on reading, and hey, a lot of time went past and reading different chapters. And all of a sudden, the Lord nudged you to go look at that page again. And your response was, well, it, it didn't click then. It didn't, you know, really didn't fit then. And the Holy Spirit just saying, no, yeah, but go back and read it again. Because now the context of the book will explain the page. So I'm just going to trouble your sleep with that one. <laughs> you see, there's a friend, my friend over here, uh, no, Asian brother, uh, round glasses, got one finger going it now the hand. Ooh, this is, you're getting daring. Yes, it's you. Give me a little wave. Yeah. Simple. I just saw you sitting down at a table just then, a little glimpse with facts and figures and stuff, and the Lord just said, two and two don't have to make four. Two and two and him can make 76. And Father wants to give you creative ideas for the future that will not be bound by logic and reason. And if you'll lean into the, what he says to you rather than the logic that would prevent you from it, you will unlock something that will be greatly fruitful. Okay.
people. Lord bless you, I've got to go. I want us to stand to our feet and I want us to pray a prayer together out loud because the Lord is giving you an invitation into his presence. You understand that you can't take bad attitudes into his presence. You can't take uh, rubbish into his presence. But he loves you and he wants you in his presence all the time. So let's just pray this as I go. To, but, but whatever you do, don't put this off to some amazing time three years from now when you can get more spiritual. It's not for that. It's for now and you should build anticipation tomorrow morning. Your father wants to give you the whispers. It may not happen for several days, but it's not that you're striving and straining at it to try and make it happen. Don't do that. Just get into intimacy with his heart, loving him up as your father and listening. And when you get a little nudge, stop what you're doing and say, Father, he's trying to show me something. He's trying to say something to me and give him the time to reveal. Let's read this out loud together. Father, all together. Father, I crave a new intimacy with your heart. I place my imagination under the direct government of the Holy Spirit. Father, let me see what you desire me to see. I declare my hunger to see you in your majesty and power, your authority and dominion, and your love and affection. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.